0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Sanders gets it left side. Big room and a touchdown for Sanders His second. Throws to Ooh. the end zone. Touchdown.
0: And makes the catch throws over the middle it's caught by the former agent. hayden hurst reaches for the goal line in for the touchdown deep one end zone caught touchdown dj chart the over the shoulder grab
1: and now brady under pressure and he's brought down back at the 27 yard line by brian burn
2: and it's picked
1: J.C. Horns Panthers have it and will score! It's taken into the end zone by Jeremy Chin. Bryce Young, off play action, deep ball, into the end zone. Oh, what a
0: throw! On the money for the touchdown!
1: Welcome back into the Roar. We're brought to you by our good friends at Blue Wire, and we're so glad to be with you as we're getting ever so closer to the start of another NFL season, season 29 for your Carolina Panthers. It's 20 days away, kickoff in Atlanta, a division game. But first things first, Billy and I were off last week. We're back after this week with a double dose today. A full breakdown of what happened against the New York Jets, joint practices, training camp, and that first preseason game. Let's tidy some things up. And then what did the Giants' tape reveal? What did we see that was positive? What can they clean up from that end? Some bigger questions loom about play calling, Thomas Brown's out there calling plays in the second half. Is that a sign of things to come in the short term or more of a long-term experiment? Some injury news, some releases on the team, and a new signing. They've got a new defensive back. All the news you need to know, all the analysis you need to know on a no-frills football field edition of The Roar right here on Blue Wire. You know, first, I just want to kind of get your broad
3: perspective here. We ended our last episode with a review of the first joint practice with the Jets and there were certainly some uh, reaction uh, from that as far as being featured on Hard Knocks and uh, the Jets head coach calling out his offensive line. Um, A lot of the uh, issues or things that you kind of highlighted during our last episode were uh, apparent and some of those some of the clips are available on hard knocks for the public to see uh but you know the next scheduled joint practice was canceled due to weather um and you know that game it, it was really a struggle so much so that you know the panthers did not score a point and I just want to give you my, like, broad view of preseason. I understand that there was some overreaction and uh, just a lot of strong opinions. I personally uh, have never and will never care about the results of a preseason game. Uh, I mean, whether the Panthers were w- winning 41 nothing or if they're losing 27 nothing like they That's lost to That's blasphemy
1: in your neck of the woods with John Harbaugh. He's going to come after you now.
3: Yeah, I just I don't think I'm it's true. relevant in any respect. I agree I just, with you. I agree. There, There's like no correlation um, at all. Now, certainly, it just gives you a sense of your, your depth. And for me, I'll get to this in a second. I do think there are some questions about the team's depth and a lot of the decisions they have made uh, from the past few off seasons uh, will be highlighted in that respect. But overall, John, I'm just. I'll be frank with you. I am not worried in the slightest about any type of performances or uh, production in the preseason. We'll worry about that stuff when the real games begin on uh, September 10th.
1: Yeah, Billy, Frank Reich met with the media today. Um, I didn't get a chance to attend. I'm down here in Greenville, but uh, our good buddy Mike Kay is up there and, and Sheena Quick and, and Joe Person. and And, you know, look, they asked all the right questions about everything that's going on today. There's a pretty substantial roster move we'll get to in a minute but frank actually addressed this today in the press conference as we come to you on a monday uh and he kind of alluded to the fact before that and i've heard him talk about this that you don't really start to figure out what your team is until about week three week four i think belichick has talked about that sometimes i think he even actually said on the record that something along the lines of you kind of treat the month of september as if it's an extension of the preseason so you want to do better than 27 nothing. Uh, I mean, there's some stuff going on there that is concerning, but I think Panthers fans, look, we've always had this moniker on this show, and, and we're going to stick by it. We're not going to tell you how to fan. You know, you, if, if you want to be disgusted and pissed off, and our, our good friends Mac and Bone, who do the, the WFNZ show in the morning up there in Charlotte, they're getting texts that they want Matt Rule back, and it's like, okay, well, that's just the world of sports talk. We all live in that world. But the reality is, uh, Billy, what, what I'm looking at here is a team that's installing a lot of new pieces. It, it's hard to put all of this together in just a few months' time, and go out there and and hey, look, give the Jets credit; they are a good team. It was a bad matchup in a lot of ways. You've got Andy Dalton on the shelf, so you don't have that second round or that second round of veteran quarterbacking in that preseason game, if you're into scoring in points, which some people in Vegas might be, I could give a crap. I'm just wanting to see progress, production, technique, stuff on tape, and I saw a little more of that against the Giants. You saw some positive things, I thought, from the offense. Uh, Defensively, there were some lapses, but it seems to be uh, what's happening here with, like, Aquanu, we'll get to him in a minute, and and the same thing maybe in the back end of the secondary, just a few mental lapses, and, and I'd rather be dealing with that uh, at this point in the season, then maybe week eight, week nine. So I think it's a good staff. They'll tidy it up. You're guaranteed nothing with Matt rule out the building and Frank Reich in the building. It's it's a volatile division. But yeah, back to your original point. I, you know, I've seen Panthers teams before, Billy. They boat race through the preseason at four and zero, and whoops, <laughs> buyer beware. And then I've seen some teams in the preseason look kind of stinky. And you know, I think a lot of it's just Frank's perspective on who he's going to play, when and for how long. And when you've got your number 1 overall pick out there, uh getting blindsided two weeks in a row, yeah, you got to protect that investment. Um so I, I get it. Yeah, I, I'm not really worried about the scores. I'm looking at matchups, individuals, how they're progressing and there's certainly a lot of people on this roster Billy that caught my eye in this Giants game.
3: Yeah, I I I don't want to brush it off and act as if we can't take anything away from it because um, that would be doing a disservice. There are certainly players and units that we can dissect and analyze. But overall, as far as just the final score is concerned, I really just, I, I can care less about all that uh, stuff. And I understand that they're, you know, fans, They this is the first time seeing their team play in a organized game in months. So yep. they obviously want them
1: to perform well. But, you know, well, at the end of the day, yeah. you know, the the Bills the Bills got run out of the building by the Steelers this weekend. I mean, it happens. So yeah, yeah, you know, you just I you not, the, I don't think yeah. the Bills are gonna go home and lick their wounds. They've been through the playoff race three, four years in a row now. And I think that's the challenge with this team with Frank and with this staff. Look, they've all been kind of playoff ready. This staff has been in the league for a while. They've been on playoff teams. A lot of these players have not, so that's the challenge here is working with them. And I'm sure it's a bright enough group. I know it is. I've been around them that, you know, especially starting with the quarterback like he played at Alabama. He beat Georgia twice a couple of years ago. I mean, he, he he knows what he's doing. He knows what matters what doesn't. I'm not worried about it at all. But yeah, there are some positional um I I don't want to say goof-ups, but you got some mental errors out there they need to clean up. Yeah,
3: I'll be completely honest with you. Bryce Young is like the least of my concerns right now. Absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've seen everything I've needed to see from him. Uh, there's really nothing that he can do in week three that would alter my opinion <laughs> short of him going out there and I don't want to even say
1: it's getting I'd injured. I put him I, in I, bubble wrap I today. A, yeah. I, Billy, I, could, I, I spent last night looking at that tape of those two series, and, and I don't know, there was a delay of game penalty, and then who knows what went into that. If you're the quarterback, that's part of it. There was a holding penalty, but the throws he made and we'll get to all this later. Look, I've seen what I have to see. You've seen all the tape from Alabama. He's going to be quite ready to do this job. This is the part of the season where you want to be having these hiccups, where you want to be learning. I know when he whiffed on that block and it was assignment issue, that's what Campin said. It looked a lot like Matt Khalil with Cam Newton a few years ago. It felt like that. But it's preseason. If that continues into like week five, yeah, we can sound some alarms. Equanu, in my
3: opinion, was a good fit. For last year's team that really wanted to establish a presence running the ball and getting after opponents i mean yeah. obviously it's not just him uh bozeman is very physical in the run game the same thing with uh the two guards christensen and corbett and moton is just solid all around you don't have to worry about him um but and i don't want to single out Equanu, but because christensen was getting his or excuse me bozeman was getting abused by dexter lawrence he it had was a couple pretty, bad ones. Yep. yeah yeah it, it was uh very disturbing to watch at times um and, and i'm just gonna be honest like yeah the, the those jets edge rushers i know they're both first round picks mcdonald and johnson but they're also backups for the jets yeah and that just kind of speaks that's a different conversation about you know why you should always invest in that position but you know the concerning thing it, it's it's year two for Equano. Okay, like I, I understand that there is a transition that has to take place, or that has to a development that has to take place. Um, but I, I really don't think fans want to hear about mental errors, especially in the preseason, where you're going up against you know basic blitzes and uh, coverages, and you're not going to re- necessarily see you know a lot of the exotic pressures that could be coming down the pipeline once the regular season hits and yeah they didn't play well against the jets if supposed they had a meeting after the game i don't know what that meeting entailed i'm not sure if meeting after the game is the best place for airing out grievances i think a lot of people are emotional and it's just that's just my opinion again i'm not trying to take anything away from the coaching these guys know more than i do yeah i'm just not sure that you know immediately after a football game where you did not play well is the right time to be you know yelling and Screaming at players for their performance. I think the way that, I mean, if you saw in Hard Knocks, you know, Saul called out his offensive line the next day in that uh, team room, and I'm not even yeah. sure that's the right method either, doing it in front of the team. Yeah, that's again, I'm not, a, I'm not a coach. So overall, John, here's my thing with the Um, You know, he fits a certain type of offense. Does he fit this type of offense that's going to be in the shotgun a lot because the quarterback, you know, likes to scan over the defense and make the reads uh, in. You know, within the quick game offense, I'm not sure. And at the end of the day, you draft him sixth overall. It's going to come. I I know we both like you know this offensive line coach, but you know there has to be a development from him. He's got to get you know coach this guy better, and the player also has to do better too, because it's you know one game against the Jets is one thing. The Giants, I mean, as much as I rate. Aziz, Ojolari, and um, Thibodeau. I mean, they're good players, but, like, I mean, you're going up against good edge rushers during the season, too. Yeah, so you can't stop expect there. to go against it, scrubs. Well, here's my question I think to it's you. a concern.
1: Here's my question to you, Billy, and I, you know, I, I, I have to take some stock in this now because I trust your analysis as much as anybody out there when it comes to this type of nuance. And my initial reaction with Aquanu is uh, let's – reset the bar in terms of what like let's for instance say it's a madden rating which doesn't matter in real life but people have him amped up a little bit too high because he's picked sixth overall and there are certain attributes of his game uh, it's the base rating in madden doesn't tell you jack shit he is a very good inline run blocker and gap scheme he can get out in zone but to your point help our audience understand fundamentally because I think it, it, you would probably be best qualified on this show to put it into words, the core difference between what this offensive line played in scheme-wise last year and even when Matt Rule drafted that tackle and what they're facing now. What are the core principal differences there in terms of block scheme? And like you said, there's a little more spread involved there.
3: Yeah, definitely. I just think like with Rule, there was... Just a lot of um, inconsistencies with the offensive approach last year because uh, Ben McAdoo, at heart, he's a West Coast guy, comes from the Mike McCarthy tree. He yeah. likes to throw the ball a lot, right. and that's what he was in Green Bay in New York. He would They threw the ball quite a bit on the first three After Joe Brady wouldn't run the ball. And that's... <laughs> yeah, and so that was yeah. – I mean, we mentioned it. We thought it was a very confusing hire, but yeah. to McAdoo's credit, he – Um, you know, played and adjusted to what his offense or excuse me, his head coach wanted, whether it was rule or Wilkes. And I think he did a good job because the strength of the offensive line and the team last year, even when McCaffrey got traded, was running the ball. And so as far as this year is concerned, you trade up that much, that many assets to, you know, number one, overall, you want a quarterback that is not necessarily just handing a ball off, like, you know, like a jimmy garoppolo and Carlos shanahan's offense you want a guy no. that's dropping back making the throws and especially you're going to face third down in this league and you have to take a five six step whatever step drop back read the defense and throw the ball and if your left tackle is consistently getting beat the way he did um or the way he has this preseason i i would think it's very concerning and so look I'm not trying to you know sound the alarm bells I no, think it's concerning but it, so. we still have it's, three weeks <laughs> until real football starts yeah,
1: but but, so. but here's the thing no I mean I think you're exactly right here because you, you start thinking about this more and more here the, the preseason is not panic season but it is time for some evaluations there's a purpose to all of this and when you get out of the camp Mode and out of practice mode, and you're actually facing some some other teams out there, and you have to. You're not really game planning, but you're you're going through some different looks, and you're seeing some different things. And we know Wink Martindale can throw a lot of looks at you. And the Jets were stunting and twisted, and they had some athletes up there. But I I agree about the Aquanu point, and I'm not. This is not the single any player out. And for those who might not be mature enough to understand in our audience, I'm sorry. That's just the kind of show we do here. We look at the tape. He missed some type of assignment there, and it could have been a choreographed issue where everybody was out of sync, and I appreciate the coaching staff for having his back. That's the way it should be. I'm not convinced at this point that this offensive line as a whole was not a bit insulated last year by the fact that, as you mentioned, ground and pound, control the clock, set up play action off of that. Darnold can move around a little bit. And now you're moving to a different structure. And that's part of what I talked about the other night on the old X app or Twitter, is that more than anything, Campen is having to, and, and as is the offensive coordinator Thomas Brown and Frank Reich, get to know each other, as does this personnel. It's not as easy as saying, well, they had a top seven, eight, whatever offensive line last year. Now Corbett's out. He's arguably the most valuable offensive lineman. He's been the rock on the right side for, for like the Rams and the Panthers the past three or four years, so... There are no guarantees. That that's the glass half empty John Ellis perspective today on that. That's that's that you can't have your first round quarterback out there with limited snaps getting blindsided, left and right. I mean, these are quick drops, Billy. This is not you know seven step sitting back there for <laughs> Thibodeau yeah, was there in are, a heartbeat. Immediate, so. yeah, yeah. And especially against the and, Jets, it was much more and, pronounced. And Bryce, even that throw he made where there was a holding. Damn, that throw was good, Billy to to Hayden Hurst. The anticipation on that thing, I mean, just keep him upright. And it, it's not that he's 5'10 and, and 200. It's, you know, Cam went through this. I mean, this is where Cam got hurt in the pocket. So I just hope that maybe this week, I mean, again, I'm not the coach. I'm not going to doubt Frank Reich. He knows a hell of a lot more than I do. But I, I would personally keep Bryce on the bench this game. There's nothing more to see here. No, I, I agree. Look, I, I just think it's,
3: um, you know, it's certainly just a cause for, Um, you know, concern in in, in a respectable way uh, as far as just let's keep an eye on it. Let's monitor it throughout the year. I I was just, as someone that was drafted sixth overall and going into a second season, I was hoping for a little better, um, you know, progression in that aspect. And and again, he was not good pass blocking last year. He was good run blocking. They played to his strengths. He showed improvement. So for me, it's going to come down to, just his development and that's that's up to him that's up to the coaching staff and and just another small uh point that i want to make in relation to this is you know frank reich um you know both of us obviously speak very think very highly of him but uh you know last year when he i understand different quarterback but uh you know matt ryan was getting hit you know their offensive line was did not play well last year for the colts so I wonder if there's just, you know, maybe Reich needs to kind of adjust some of, you know, his schematic yeah. Um, yeah. principles to protect the quarterback better. And this gets to my next point that I want to mention. And it's, yeah, it's vanilla. Everyone, that's like the new key word on the block now, <laughs> vanilla of play calling. And I love some schematic. vanilla ice cream. Yeah. All I'll say is this. The offense has looked much cleaner when Thomas Brown has been calling the plays. And I'm not mm. sure if that's, you know, he's leaning into some of his McVay influences when he's calling the offense, or if, I I don't know. I don't know what it is, but the offense, in my opinion, has looked much better, and from an operational standpoint, from, you know, players running the right routes, protecting better, there seems to be much better cohesion among the offensive line, and yes, I understand he's doing it late, you know, second half or whatever, but I just, I don't know, John, I see a much better and fluid operation when Brown is calling the second yeah. half of preseason games as opposed to when the first team offense is there.
1: there. There's been a lot made of that and some people that that are very well respected in this business that aren't just you know screaming and hollering fire everybody because you lost a preseason game that are actually agreeing with that perspective on that, that it's not to diminish what Frank Reich can do with a dinner menu in his hand. It's to, you know, to highlight the fact that Thomas Brown – is a very, very savvy guy who's been around the block more than once. He's been around McVeigh many, many years. He understands um, rhythm, timing, tempo, pacing. And, you know, look, here's the thing. I, I, I don't know what to make of what's out there right now. I, I know structurally, schematically, they're running the same type of stuff that I would have expected back on tape when I look at, like, Peterson's scheme, and Reich's scheme it's a lot of condensed bunch, mesh. It, it, it The principles are there. But in terms of the play calling, yeah, there is a certain rhythm and pop to what's going on. Now, how much to make of that, I don't know. But I will say this about Frank. He demonstrated, and I talked with some people at camp about this. People inside you know, the, the inner circle of that organization. People have covered the team for a while. A couple of players. And they've said that the, the one thing about Frank is he has demonstrated the ability. And this goes back to the spring when he was able to say look I'm the head coach I'm going to hire this staff of of coaches that I can put my trust in and Scott Fitter you are the personnel man you are the general manager your team go do their work I, I don't have any doubt that if Frank believes that like what you're opining here and what many are and I I'm inconclusive but I see good things there I don't have any doubt that in time, whether it's right away or in, in the middle of the season, that Frank will say, OK, you know what? There's a better way to do this. Frank's a very pragmatic guy, and that's what I appreciate about him. So it's not to diminish the fact that the offense has looked a little bit underwhelming at certain parts of the game. There's also matchup issues. You you know, Once again, if you're looking at the score, if you're looking at it drive, sustainability, the fact that Dalton is not in there and Corral's thrusted out there with you know, limited action there through camp and he hadn't played out last year, and you're going against the Jets and then the Giants. He actually Matt played pretty well, I thought on Friday. So yeah, I think Thomas Brown is showcasing what he can do. Now again, it's all preseason. Um, I I don't know, man. That it, I you don't want too many moving parts right out of the gate. So if no, but I, I do I do look at what the Eagles did under
3: Sirianni and he. Yeah. Um, he swallowed his pride and allowed Shane Steichen yeah. to call the offense. Absolutely. And that resulted in you know one of the best offenses in the NFL and a head coaching job for Steichen. And uh, they were able to replace him with uh, one of their quarterbacks coaches. And and for me, again, I think Frank Reich is a very good head coach. I just I want to maximize the uh, potential on Frank Reich. I think Frank Reich is also a very good head coach as a game manager and having Thomas Brown as his offensive coordinator yeah. could elevate the ceiling the, of this team. The, opera, uh, the operation, my no, I think,
1: you're, I think you make a, a damn good point. I think the operation overall, again, some of the stuff that we saw in, in those first couple of drives, even though it was like, I think, a 12-13 play drive, about 10 minutes long, Man, it was like going to the, the Sahara Desert to get there for a field goal. There were so many back and forth, ups and downs. One step forward, two step back. Oh, there's a holding. Oh, well, there's a false start. I mean, and then you saw, again, to be fair, it's backups against backups, but you saw a very clean operation there in the second half, and I was impressed with Corral. I thought, you know, you got Shy Smith getting involved there, Blackshear. Um look, is emerging as a guy, Billy, still, that that can really run with some authority and and confidence. And, you know, Thomas Brown is a a running game guy, but that whole bullshit moniker, again, sorry for my language, but it gets pigeonholed into guys, and I'll say it, that aren't white. And it's like, well, you know, the enemy obviously has had to work hard to become um, now an offensive coordinator who can call his own plays. And now Thomas Brown is in a situation where, some would say to your argument there that well he's just a run game coordinator guy. Well, that's not I really true. With that, I disagree. So. No, I totally disagree too. That's why I'm bringing it up. I've seen some of that stuff out there in the Twitter sphere and out there on message boards, and it's like y'all just research the man's pedigree and background. I think Thomas Brown is out- an outstanding coach personally. He'll be a head coach in two years, probably maybe three. But but here's the thing. Um, I I think you're right about Steichen. I've talked about that on my show many times down here in Greenville on on Fox Sports Upstate that they had a real sort of turning point with that Eagles organization where Steichen took the reins and Sirianni had the... That's a hard thing, Billy, as you know, for these coaches to swallow their pride and say, I'm giving up the dinner menu. I'm giving up the play call sheet. Um, Frank doesn't strike me as a guy that's unwilling to work in that direction. I'm not certain how it's structured. See, Frank is calling plays thomas is out there orchestrating a lot of the offense he's getting play calling duties is that just for practice and for show no i think everything frank does there's a purpose behind it so yeah it's it's kind of an audition here and i think frank is trying to make the team better um so if are you going to be in attendance this week uh yes uh the plan right now is to be in charlotte for the detroit game and um the reason Dan Campbell doesn't shake Frank Reich's hand and say that was a real ass whooping like he did to Steve Wilks. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> well, yeah, no. The reason I ask
3: is maybe you can kind of look down on the sideline to get a sense of how those dynamics are working because on TV it just seemed like yeah, McCown had a very front-facing role um, at certain times and uh, I, I didn't really notice Brown until he started to call the plays in the second half. So maybe you can kind of. You know and I think a good example is, um, uh, you know, watching a little bit of that quarterback series, just a few clips here and there. It seemed like, you know, Mahomes, um, for what he is, uh, he was like, uh, his guy was Matt Nagy, he was the guy that he went to at all times, um, you know, on the sideline. And certainly, Biennami had a role. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator, but, uh, you know, as far as just how like the structure and the operation kind right, of worked yeah, it's about yeah. because it's a similar situation
1: at least that's for a now great point. as far as Billy that's right, a, and then right, practice right. you can't get a real good look at that at practice as you mentioned but no, like you no can. that that's at, in a game environment I, i've only been to fan fest and that was a simulated um i didn't make it to the jets game hallelujah for that although i would have been in the press box for once in my life i get a press pass but um yeah no i i think that's actually something and not to be too alex jonesy here but you know ten full hat to to kind of pay attention to those dynamics it's it's not even that conspiratorial it's just dynamics it's who's speaking with whom i'm not trying to start we're not trying to start a controversy we just want to figure out how it's working out well this is frank frank has opened this up for public consumption because he he has talked about it in his press conference he said quote uh thomas is doing great i made no bones about it since i've been here i eventually want to make that transition i think i've said this before but first of all whether i'm calling it or he's calling it it's very collaborative that's the word that keeps coming up it came up in camp too and that's coach speak once again for please leave us alone and stay out of our business (laughs) because they have some type of plan they're cooking up here and that's not something that we're privy to and we're going to ask the questions we're going to see what we can glean from it um Yeah, I I think it's a real interesting situation. That offensive line thing, there's a lot of trust. I don't want to say it's blind trust in this offensive line. Corbett is a bit of a void. He is an important piece to this puzzle. He's a very good right guard. And Bozeman, once again, is a mauler in the run game, much like we've talked about with Icky. But Frank is you know, obviously, I, I think, a smart enough individual to understand what he's got, what he's working with, He's got a rookie quarterback who's a little bit undersized, but can make all the throws. And let's play a little bit of a brand of ball that maybe Frank would like to get away from if he had a little more of a fit, you know, with his offensive line. If he had the type of, you know, makeup he wanted with left tackle. I'm not suggesting he doesn't like Ikiakuanu, folks. That's not what it's not about like dislike. It's about evaluation. And Frank was not here when they drafted Um Scott was, but Scott shared that with Matt, and I like Icky a lot. I think, you know, once again, I keep coming back to this whole idea. Let's give it four or five weeks, but, man, these blindside hits, whatever the reason, whether you're getting beat, whether you're holding, whether, you know, the miscommunication, if that lingers into this week and you've got good pass rushers for the Lions now that that are probably going to get some playing time, I mean, that's what I keep saying. If Bryce is going to keep getting hit, we've already seen enough. We've seen the good and the bad. Let's tee it up week one and see what happens. And I think, you know,
3: a point here that I just want to stress, I understand that there's going to be a lot of resentment towards the previous head coaching regime, but, um, but I think it's, I'm just, I I think we have to judge, you know, how this organization does moving forward without having the back, um, you know, of that certain regime in our purview. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of, you know, coaching staffs that get replaced after a year and they do very well. Um, And so, you know, as it relates to this roster, and I think, you know, the preseason is a very good opportunity to see, um, you know, how much depth your roster actually possesses. And, you know, one area that has come as a result of all of these trades that they've uh, been making for quarterbacks, whether it was for Darnold a couple years ago or whether they traded up for Bryce Young, um, you have to you have to hit on your draft picks, and you know it's very very important that they do that because they don't have the draft pick allotment as other teams. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it becomes even more of a priority to you know really figure out you know who you're drafting and um, you know fill the back end of the roster yeah. with players. That because that is a sign of how. A you know well a team does in a preseason obviously you want you know high-end talent you know you know spots one to like 15 or 20 but as far as like the back end is concerned it just i think the preseason gives you a good idea of you know the competition in that respect and right Absolutely. now uh i'm not really seeing it with some of those back-end players i mean D.J. Johnson, a guy that they traded up for in the third round, oh. that we had a couple questions well, um, with. He's you know had an up and down preseason. Philly, and he's Billy. There's late. breaking
1: news, by the way. Um, the timing of this is is unfortunate but impeccable. Um, D.J. Uh, Johnson, according to Mike K. and Joe Person, is being carted off the field right now. So well, um, <laughs> unclear what the injury is. That's according to Joe Person. This is uh, coming to you at two forty-five in the afternoon on Monday. So, um. That's tough, but uh, just wanted to update you on that.
3: I will say the carded inside thing, I have, Could be, I've even. seen that. Yep. It, it, there's been 50 reports of players being carded inside. Oh, yeah. The reason that happens during a practice is because the facility is pretty far away. Um, like if if a player gets carded from a game, it's different because yep,
2: that's you're really not going point. too far. This is but Mike Mike of- K
1: added this real, just real quick. Mike uh, added this to his tweet here. Looks like they were working on his left leg. He can walk and stand on his own. He's sitting on the back of the cart as he heads inside. So we don't know much right now. Just want to give you an update that there's an injury involved with DJ Johnson, who's shown some ups and downs at camp and, and most rookies will. But but to your point, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to see it from the second and third level of your teams, man. That's what these preseason games are for.
3: And, and that's and that's the thing with, with this front office and this GM now is like – what are your plans? How are you going to supplement the back end of your roster? Because right now, and again, I'm, the Matt Rule situation, it's done, it's over. He made his bed, he made some mistakes, it's it's done. Yeah, right?
1: we're done bashing but, Matt Rule, it's fine. He, exactly, he, so
3: my, my area of concern, we're not concerned, my area of uh, evaluation now is, how did this team do from a player procurement standpoint um, moving forward, especially in the draft, because yeah. you know some of those day two picks that they've drafted, you know, over the past few years, like it's, it's time for them to step up, and I, I'm just not seeing that level of, um, you know, investment paying off for relative to their production. Whether it's, yeah, yeah I think Gross yeah. Matos has shown flashes, but not enough to justify his selection. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we look at Corral, who's you know he's been up and down in the preseason, probably. You know, know, I'm not sure he's going to make this final roster, but he'll make some roster, be on the practice squad. Right, right. And and obviously now with DJ Johnson, um, you know, Mingo has shown some good flashes, um, but he, you know, I I think Mingo will be fine overall. Um, But, you know, he did have the one mistake in that first. That
1: first one, I want to get your opinion on that. So the first Bryce scramble, and he kind of finds the typical Bryce void there from, you know, his second reaction there. Did, did From your perspective, and I, I, I've I got my own opinion on this, and I think it's going to align with yours. Did, did Mingo pull up a little bit short there? Again, mistakes happen, but it, it felt like it could have been a big play. I really, I just think it was miscommunication. It's hard for me to assign blame anywhere. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. where i'm at <laughs> it's um, yeah you know, I, I really don't know but well, it's like bryce but, said bryce said after the game real quick he's on that one just nobody really understands what goes into a play like that there's so many moving parts uh yada 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 so yeah no it's but no your, your point about depth These like terrace marshall he's missing time now that's disappointing and again he can't help that chuba hubbard once again he's he's dinged up right now and he's you know showed some nice flashes he's already went, lost
3: here. two wide receivers
1: yep um, and and I I'm not thrilled again. Kind of a an old man get off my lawn sidebar here. I'm I'm kind of concerned how they're utilizing Chenault so far. Um, I, I've seen some boundary you know X stuff and he's lined up at Z and either I, I just think if that that's going to be what you're trying to condition him. Now they've expanded his route tree, but once again we we kind of know you and I and Josh Norris of all people. Josh was very adamant about this. Laviska can cook. He's a good player in space, but he is not the type of guy that's going to win and uh, on the boundary. And I think Chark too. I mean, these guys have got to start showing who the true boundary X is. In this offense, you've got a lot of reads. There is no true quote number one, as they keep saying in the press conferences and all throughout practice, that it, it goes as Bryce goes with his progressions. And um, I'll say this: I think there is a real opportunity for these tight ends to 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 take a step up, just based on the structure of the offense, and how much emphasis there will be. And I'm talking specifically about Hurst and Trimble. Now, I don't know about Thomas, but I think Trimble, those guys can going to have a big season. But, yeah, when you look across the the three deep here on the roster, like, Yater gross Matos, once again, we were in the tent giving a, a speech. He was giving us a, a, a whole speech about how I'm on social media and, then look, I hear things. And the very next day, they signed Justin Houston. Um, I, I think Yater is a good guy and he's a good player, but that's – to this point what he's been a good player and there's second rounders out there that have blossomed um if that's up to his standard that's fine but to your point you want to see guys on the field you want to see them healthy and then you want to see them produce and to the point last week when we did the podcast you turgoros Matos, i said well they could use him as a three technique in nascar packages and you kind of laughed, and you were like if that's what you're getting out of your second round pick that's that's not enough so and th- that that leads me to my next question do you uh the guy who, look, all of us at camp were pretty. I don't want to say impressed because it's camp. People get all worked up. Oh, he's been great. Marcon McCall has been the primary nose tackle for this defense, and they bring in uh, a defensive back yesterday, Troy Hill, um, who's you know a pretty good player and can fit the nickel role. But they released McCall, and and Frank got pushed on this pretty good in the press conference about you know what was this a cultural fit issue was this a, a scheme fit because he said the fit wasn't there um yeah I'm a little confused about that I mean, yeah, Troy Hill is a fine player he I just... is yeah, but but McCall was there I mean I, I, what Frank was trying to say I think is he almost said it in a, in a way that you know maybe there's some stuff going on outside of the football structure scheme stuff that led to this you know, sometimes it's just personality conflict. Maybe that's it. I don't have a freaking clue. He was a nice guy. He got along with his coaches, but Frank did allude to the fact that there's nuance to what they run in terms of their defensive fronts. And I've been talking about this. There's this misnomer that you have to have this true plugger inside this nose tackle. And, you know, I I think 60, 70% of what they're going to be in is different than a, you know, base three, four structure. So I don't know what to make of it. It's not uh, a guy I expected to get cut um, a lot of people have written about him <laughs> it's like you go out and you search Mark Marquand McCall in articles from 3-4 days ago there's a lot of glowing reviews about him from people I respect um, so that was an interesting move today but I don't know Shy Tuttle's not really a nose tackle um, Derek Brown's not I mean he can do it but we'll see I, I think uh, Roquan Williams has had a nice little camp here But yeah he definitely flashed in that Giants yeah. game but Billy, go ahead, man. I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, no,
3: um, yeah, McCall getting released is a, a little interesting because I thought maybe he might have some uh, late round trade value, but I understand that you know maybe he doesn't. Uh, but yeah, just as far as like the depth and the bodies they need on the defensive line, because yeah, you know, at the end of the day, John, I mean, run defense is an area that this team mm-hmm. needs to get better at. You need to win on first and second down so you have the opportunity to rush to pass on third down and yeah look Troy Hill he's been a solid player throughout his NFL career um you no know, I was a little surprised he was available uh I don't mind Troy Hill uh I, again I think you know his best football might be behind him I yeah. think he was really good in 2019 it and tailed off last year yeah 2022 and yeah when you got that deal from the Browns he uh, didn't really play well lasted only a year there and then he went got traded to the Rams and You know, he was up and down there. Some of the younger uh, players that the Rams have drafted, uh, you know, have kind of taken his spot. So, yeah, I mean, as far as depth is concerned in competition at the nickel spot, it's certainly an area that this team needs, uh, you know, options. And he has experience with, you know, this defensive coordinator and this defensive back coach with Cooley and Everell. So, I, I mean, I, it's I, sensible. I mean, that's, yeah, it's sensible.
1: Yeah. It's not going to tip the scales, but it, it could be a, a little bit of a, a margin play there that, hey, you got a guy that's got experience. Maybe he can solidify that nickel corner, which is important in this defense because I, I don't see them putting chin out there at, at Buffalo nickel. 60 snaps a game they're going to diversify what they do with these they got kind of i mean that first team defense got shredded by the giants yeah so that was a, i think it's kind of a wake-up call i think that's what you're seeing is. here is a little shift in philosophy maybe that's why mccall is not here it's not that he played bad it's just they're moving some parts around
3: i don't know uh, i want to close this out with the player that kind of has really impressed you um so far for me it's, yeah. i think gary jennings you know the xfl yeah. player he came out of west virginia he has really stood out. I mean, I've always been a big fan of him. Going back to his days at, you know, when he was in Morgantown uh, playing for the Mountaineers, and you know, as a prospect, and then in the XFL, um, he definitely flashed a bit too. I posted a few clips of him. Mike Kay has also been a fan of his as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that with these injuries now, he has an outside shot. I'm not saying he's a shot. I'm just saying I think he has an outside shot to potentially make this roster. Um, are there any guys that kind of pique your interest
1: as far as you know having? that opportunity that's impressed you yeah on the bubble I mean look you've got several guys you know how I feel about you know I get latched on to certain guys I've got to be careful because I, I, I got a I got a real pension for this but Black is one of my guys I liked his running style I like the spark he gives you in the running game I like him a little better at times than Hubbard uh, although I think you know Chuba gets a bad rap at times for things that aren't his fault um, I, I'll say this in the receiving game uh, look it's not a guy we think is a bubble guy but shy smith it's good to see him he was sort of the forgotten man um after chark and and thielen and the trade with dj Moore, and he had a, a, a bit of a run-in with the the legal system there down here in union county and, and people were thinking here locally that maybe he's you know going to have to face a year or two off from football if not all but he's gotten himself together and he has thrived not only at camp billy he's made some incredible plays at camp um, and, and, you know, 7-on-7, seven 11-11, seven, and, and just, you know, individuals. And you saw in that game when Matt, you know, hit the boundary a couple times on him. it was a deep crosser, and then he kind of had a little sit route there on the on the boundary when Matt was scrambling. And, and good awareness by Shai Smith. So, again, on the defensive side, I'd say, uh, you know, Williams, the guy that Mike Hayes has been you know talking about, Roquan Williams, I believe his name is. Um, there's so many Raquans and Roquans in the league I can't keep up. I think Barno has shown some good stuff at times. I think that first game he had some nice stuff. I think he had a, a bad roughing the passer call that probably shouldn't have been called. But uh, he's interesting. Um, but no, Shy Smith, to me, I feel good for that guy. He's a Gamecock. He's a local guy. And he really, really wants to be a part of this team. And there were no guarantees. I think it's getting a lot more likely with Demir Bird out and with Terrace uh, continuing to, to get right here with his back. And you hope he does. Shai's played really well. But Gary Jennings, that was a hell of a catch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, As we close out here, John, uh, I
3: believe, you know, as this pod concludes, I do want to mention that you will be having your own uh, segment here answering some mailbag questions. So, uh, you know, everyone, make sure you stick around for that. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, John, any final thoughts as we head into the
1: final week of preseason? Yeah, look, this is a really, really interesting time to be covering the Panthers you've got what was heralded as an all-star staff and look we've talked about that but now it's time to play and it's up to the players in a players league to get it done uh I do not want to be alarm bell guy I just don't want to be that guy I've never done that in preseason I will not do it now I think maybe just recalibration is the word of the day understanding when you see Bryce Young out there making throws, growing into his role. Remember, the first year that Ron Rivera took over, different situation, I understand, different personnel. A lot of it was different. But they won six games with a rookie quarterback that eventually went on to win an MVP. Okay? Uh, I'm not playing the correlation game, but I am saying uh, it's, we've seen this before.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So
1: maybe the journey won't be uh, as clean and as upward to the playoff track as as many would hope maybe there will be some struggles maybe there will be a moment in the middle of a season uh where the team is in a losing record position and they're behind the eight ball and, and all of a sudden what was thought to be a wide open division is suddenly not it's the NFL it's a volatile league you got to stay healthy you're seeing some guys now with, with with DJ Johnson uh again going down with an injury at practice today we don't know the severity we see Terrace Marshall nursing a back injury. We hope he's back out there soon. Obviously, you've got other guys on the roster that are trying to get right. Miles Sanders is back on the field. That's good. But there's so much unpredictability. The margins are very thin for this team, as Billy talked about. There are roster um, construction uh, uh, issues that always rear their head when you have a new regime come in. And there are a lot of good minds and a, a very – i'd say an abundance of iq and a a shortage of ego in that coaching room and i mean that sincerely because it all starts at the top with frank and the one thing i'll say about him whether he wins five games this year six eight ten fifteen whatever it is he's honest he's straight he respects his players they respect him back he is as honest as the day is long and he is not afraid to be aggressive take chances he's also not afraid To understand what his role is and what it might not be. So, to speculate right now that he's not going to call plays or it is based on eight quarters of preseason tape, I'm not there yet. But hats off to Thomas Brown, hats off to the entire staff. It's a lot of work, they've got a lot ahead of them. And I think you're going to see in the course of the first month and a half of the season. Again, we're ahead of Detroit coming up on Friday. That's what's ahead of us now. But the first leg of the season, or the first maybe half of the season, you might experience some growing pains. Or it could end up being like Or whatever issue they had a couple games in the preseason, boy, they cleaned that up. Akeem a- a- and, and and Corbett might be back. Or if not, Zavala or Mays is, is holding it down to right guard. It's not a complicated game. I put this on Twitter the other day. What are you looking for in this game? Number one key was blocking and tackling. And somebody on Twitter had laughed at me about it, said, blocking and tackling really football. (laughs) And I said, yes, sir. Uh, Once you start to understand this game is not that complex at its core, and half of what's been going on on that field that leads to, oh, I don't know, uh, Jalen Hyatt going for six the easy way, with a quarterback backpedaling, and Tyrod Taylor, who's been in the league for 100 years. Uh, When you see uh, rookies miss angles on tackles in the first game, rookies that have a promising career, when you see a a little bit of a blocking concern at your most important tackle position, your most important position on the line through two games in the preseason where you have your number one pick out there, look, as Dick Vermeel said one time back in the day, or maybe it was Parcells. It sounded like something Bill would say, but I'm going to go with Dick Vermeule. It's time to take the diapers off. (laughs) And these, these young players on this team and the veterans, they blend it in. They've got to continue to develop chemistry. And the young guys, I, I, like Billy said, I've got zero concerns about Bryce. And those who don't see it, believe it, understand it, will in time. If his career doesn't pan out to be great, it won't be because he is not sharp as attack and he can see the field and he can make every throw on the field. It will be for other reasons beyond his control. And that has to do with keeping him upright and healthy. So, again, a panic move to me would be maybe not playing him at all against Detroit, but maybe that's my panic moment. Maybe I say, you know what, let's think about this constructively. What more must we see from Bryce Young that we have not seen on tape so far? A touchdown? Is that what it's going to take? Do you need to see a touchdown to be happy? And then you can put him on the bench. That's not how these coaches are going through their evaluations. I, I, I know this for a fact because I've talked to them for many, many years from many, many organizations, scouts, coaches, personnel, and there is much more to what goes on. And it all starts with what Robert Sala said, paraphrasing here, get in that dark room and put on the tape. And that's what I did last night. And coming up next here, as we continue with an extended edition of the Roar Podcast... We've got a Q&A session, the Roar Mailbag. (laughs) Good production there. Uh, You had questions. We're going to try to give you some answers here. And uh, I'll give you some final thoughts as we head into preseason week number four, game number three for the Panthers as they take on Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. That game is a CBS nationally televised game at 8 p.m. on Friday night. But here it is, the Roar mailbag. Let's get it going. So we've got some questions. Let's see who's the lucky winner today. So I want to appreciate all of y'all, by the way, for being with us for another season of this podcast. I want to give a hat tip to Blue Wire and and all that they're doing to help us grow this brand, grow this podcast. Uh, It's been tremendous. And I want to encourage y'all to go to bluewirepods.com. They have a tremendous lineup of programming uh with visual elements they have a great studio that billy and i hopefully this is the pipe dream we have that somehow this team ends up in the super bowl this year i know quit laughing but they they have blue wire a beautiful beautiful studio right there in the heart of las vegas um and that would be kind of cool to to be able to bankroll that on their dime Hello, Kevin Jones. No, but we thank Blue Wire. This is year three for us, and it's amazing. Much more to come, and we'll be giving you two a days. Uh, and we'll be giving you two episodes a week, uh, maybe more. So these are the dog days of summer coming to an end, man. It's time to buckle it up and get after it. All right, here are the questions we have in our uh, the Roar uh, podcast mailbag. We've got to work on some imaging here. This is very bland. Okay, uh, this is from Jamie Clayton on Twitter. At the end of the season, who is your prediction for most receptions and most receiving yards on this roster? Also, favorite Brenton Burson story. <laughs> and I'm just picking these randomly. So um, my favorite Brenton Burson story was the fact that when I put together a um, a reel, and this is not really a story, it's just kind of a self-aggrandizing moment, I I used to cut up all sorts of stuff on Cam Newton. This is back when I was going through my hurting phase, y'all. When they released Newton, and I I had a fundamental disagreement with that uh, premise, and I, people were you know calling him this and that, and I just made an an, an example out of some people from that 2017 wildcard game to say you know what Newton put together one of his best games of his career. Here's the tape. I put together a full cut up of it, and on one of the one of the plays. Burson was running a drag route over the middle, and he could have gone for about 40 yards maybe, and the turf monster got him, and he fell down. Um, and and I, I probably goofed on him a little too much. He's a Wofford kid, man. He's, he's like, yeah local. And, you know, I wasn't mean about it, but yeah, I was, like, a typical sports guy. Like, what the hell is this? And then I noticed he's followed me on Twitter, and he's, like, liking all these posts about my kids and family. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, so I think I reached out to him and I was like, "Brent, man, I'm sorry." And I, I, I don't think he texted me back or DM'd me back. I think, I think it's fair to say that he was in the right there. The other story I have about Burson was, um, look, he had some good moments in 2014. Remember that Browns game? Um, I think he caught a touchdown in 2015 at Tampa. Isn't that bizarre? But 2014, he made some big plays in that uh, final drive. I think, uh, or maybe that was no. I think that was that 20 oh geez what year was that 2017 against the Bucks Christmas Eve oh junior you got me all lost here Jamie Clayton uh most receiving yards this season on the roster um health is everything but I would say that it, it, that's a great question it's a great question Jamie because what we've talked about at camp with coach Reich and and even Bryce had a chance to talk to him a little bit and, and the question I kept Asking was not only tight end production, tight end deployment and involvement, but what about the progressions and reads, the true number one, the boundary X, the that whole deal that every offense has, whether it's Terrell Owens or Calvin Johnson. And this offense does have the makeup of a distribution point guard offense, which is exactly what Frank Reich said to, to us under the tent there at Wofford, that he is our Steph Curry. And again, I don't think it's BS. I don't think he's misdirecting. It is it is what it is. DJ Chark gave a very interesting answer. On that note, I think Chark, if he stays healthy, if you can give him a good 15, 16 games and he can thrive in, in this structure, he can give you 1,000. But I don't know if anybody will truly get to like 11, 1200 because you're going to see, I think, a lot of mouths being fed in this offense. As far as receptions, uh, Thielen comes to mind. Uh, I think that's going to be a hell of a security blanket on these whip routes, these option routes. He's in that slot position. You he, he saw it in that game against the Giants. Uh, right on that third and six, where he, he does that stab step after the five step and stems it up, cuts outside, and he's got an absolute dime coming his way from Bryce Young, who has pressure in his face. Thielen's my guest for receptions. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if he stays healthy, Miles Sanders could catch 50 balls. So keep an eye on that. All right, Carl Hungus. Carl Hungus at Claywright 25. Uh, he asked this. Most had McCall, Marquand McCall, the uh, former nose tackle who has now been released. Most had McCall penciled in as the starting nose tackle. This seems like a Raquan Williams move. Thoughts? Uh, Carl, go ask Mike K. <laughs> uh, right, my buddy Mike K, Charlotte Observe. He's been on this show before, been on my FM show down here in Greenville many times. Uh, he was actually ahead of this with uh, Raquan Williams before the game and last week talking about some of what he's seen in practice and, and, and he shined in that game. Now, again, it's uh, this preseason narrative. I, I, I think Panthers fans are so, and this is a little bit of a sidebar here, but Panthers fans are so hungry to win and so hungry to get out of this, what was a cycle of badness over the past few years. And it's not about the coach and all that. It's just the football was bad. For whatever reason, the collective football product was bad. Fans are nervous now, I think, to a degree that, well, our expectations all year was everybody's telling us this is smooth sailing. All-star staff, Bryce Young. Yeah, he's little, but okay. You've got Icky Aquano over there. Um, it gets back to my point about the defense. You've got to dive a little bit deeper to the the nuance of what is happening here and frank had said that in his press conference today now whether it's coach speak or whether it is uh you know like a stall tactic to, to go sign i'm just mentioning names here, michael brockers or linville joseph that doesn't seem sensible to me they went out and they signed uh, their defensive back yesterday uh the, the, the kid not so much a kid anymore he's he's actually all grown up he's uh Very good player um, for the Rams for several years. And now you get, and his name is Casey Troy Hill. Thank you. Jeez, I was thinking Marcus Epps. Uh, It's been a long week, folks. With McCall, what I took away from Frank's presser today, and, and Mike Kay and Joe and I think Steve Reed maybe and a couple others, you know, very fairly pushed him on it. And Frank graciously said, Look, these are great questions. Look, I, all I can tell you is it was not the right fit for what we're doing here defensively. It it didn't sound like it was a personal issue; like it was a a, a, a sort of. And again, I'm I am I, I pride myself a little bit on sort of seeing things, seeing trends, seeing little things that happen in in the game of football, particularly with this organization that had come nothing more than from instincts. But my instinct on this, and it could be totally wrong, is that they're looking at a number of options in terms of how they're going to structure their fronts. It's not a base 3-4. They'll be in nickel or sub or dollar or some sort of three-three-five, some sort of penny look. They're going to be in, in, in a, a different type of coverage structure and alignment structure 60 to 70% of the time, you can bet your ass on it, because they have a lot invested in chin. They have three safeties they're paying big money for, at least reasonably big money for. There's an investment there. Uh, They're not going to a base 4-3 and and taking chin off the field or taking woods off the field. Uh, The whole idea here is to be ready for nickel. That's the crux of what this defense is. It is a nickel defense. Now, again, there's different variations of that, different structures, fronts alignments you've got guys that can shade off the center you've got guys who can go zero technique right on the center that was what we saw from McCall he flashed last year uh, but to your point Raquant look the little bit of time I saw him in that game yeah he did some damage but what is he facing and what does that look like what are you asking him to do one gap two gap how much of each it's so complex but it is kind of simple when you tear it down if you're thinking of, like, Madden, no, I'm just going to call 3-4, cover 3, 3-4, three, uh, engage 8. <laughs> That's not what this is. Uh, it's there are, there, are, there are different components, and I, I'm not going to bore you with a two-hour session like the guy who Miss Doubtfire replaced in the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, Tyrannosaurus Rex. But you get the idea. Go to my timeline, and we can talk about alignments in fronts. They'll be a nickel a lot. Now, to Billy's point, they've got to be able, when they are in what they refer to as their base, which still could be with Chin and two other safeties on the field, they have their own definitions in-house. Every staff does as to what their base personnel is. So, again, Luvu, uh, or Luvu, I'm sorry, can can play inside and shoot the gap he can also give you some edge reps in nickel and dime, third, and seven-plus situations. You've got Haynes back on the field now. Um, yeah, so I, like if, if you're going to have a nose tackle in the game, it's not really shy Tuttle. He's done a little bit of it in New Orleans, but again, that's where he's... When you shade him in a 43-principled a uh, front, um, it's it's... It's something I'm really not that interested in debating a whole lot. People are kind of getting worked up about it. And I think, again, I'm not giving blind faith and trust to Frank Reich, but what I see here, my instincts tell me that it's not a snap decision. But you see the signing, once again, of a Troy Hill. Maybe that's a signal that, okay, you know what? In order to do that, we need to release McCall because the idea there was, okay, he's good enough to play on another roster. Frank Reich said today he is not a fit for our scheme, but he will be a great fit for another 3-4 base team. So what does that tell you? That is it? Is it coach speak and BS, or is it truly, look, we are trying to deploy guys a little bit differently than maybe it was portrayed, um, present company not included, because, look, I'm not going to be a pompous ass here, but I've been saying this for months and this is why I try to do a little homework is because I, there's, when you talk about three, four, four, three, it's so, it's not irrelevant, but it's so overblown in terms of the, the transition where it does come into play is in base first and 10 second and one, how you structure those fronts and how much is different in terms of alignment shading, leverage, uh, and, and even, you know, hand in the dirt or, or, or you're, you're standing up. And that's Burns and Houston. What do we see from them? It's multiple. It's going to be multiple. But at its core, this is a coverage scheme. It's based on coverage first. Pressure is vital. Stopping the run is vital. That's all going to have to happen. And players are going to have to make plays. You're, the point Billy made earlier about a, a little bit of thinning out of the defensive line Yeah, you don't have a traditional, what was considered to be back in 2003, which is the old days, John Fox, Mike Turkovac's defense, Jenkins, Buckner, Peppers, and Rucker on the outside. And then then you got Big Al Wallace and you got Shane Burton. That's a traditional base 4-3, and they played a lot of it because it was a different game back then. And they'll play some offenses that run. But to answer your question, Carl Hungus, I don't really know... uh, other than who we talked about, Raekwon Williams, seems to be the leader in the clubhouse. But with that said, I, Scott Fitter, one of the great things I, I appreciate about him, other than the fact that he's a tremendously uh, a, a, a accommodating gentleman <laughs> to, to spend time with me at training camp one-on-one and just talk ball for a few minutes. But that doesn't change the fact that this is an evaluation business, and we will continue to look at it through our lens Although we are much less qualified than Scott Fitter. That's what we do here on this show. We take a best stab at it. We say, you know what? Let's try to be GMs. Scott's, I don't know. hes uh, He's got some things going on. He's got uh, this kicker, right? Who's had a nice camp. You got two kickers on the roster. Pinheiro's getting better. Uh, maybe a trade. I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, this is from my good friend, the sports nut at TFB or at the sports with a Z nut. He goes by TFB. This guy's always tweeting at media people. I love him. He's great. He's like, anytime there's a news story, he's like, hey, one Panther place, Joe Person, Mike K., Will Kunkel, everybody, take a look. Uh, TFB has this question. Do you have any concerns with this defense? After the reports that Rodgers picked them apart in joint practice, then Daniel Jones being uh, a bell hit away from being perfect from nine of nine, knifing this defense with quick passes, making the secondary look like Swiss cheese. That's more of a statement than a question, I believe, TFB. Uh, I didn't get the sense at joint practice, no matter what Hard Knock shows you, that number one, that Aaron Rodgers was pitching a fit and having a hissy fit about his offensive line. To that point, though, number two, Rodgers had some nice throws. So did Young. They both took their shots as well. And the offensive line did have a hard time for the Jets. So I think joint practice, if you're going to look at that, is any type of reflection on what they got out of that week. I thought it was a bit of a draw. Now, again, when you're on hard knocks and it's being painted a certain way, I get it. But I didn't get the sense from being on the ground there that you had one team just boat racing the other. Aaron Rodgers was frustrated in the moment. And then he came to the tent and he answered questions about James Camp and laughed. That's, you know, that's the business. And, and it's Aaron Rodgers so we're going to talk about it. But I didn't get the sense. Now, the Daniel Jones thing, look, there's no Houston. There's no Brian Burns. There's no Derek Brown. If take that into account, Um, it's Brian Dable. Give them credit again. I hate to be this guy, but you know that's a good team. That's a good scheme. They've got their first line guys in, and Daniel Jones is an efficient quarterback who's athletic. So, hat tip to them. I'm not overly concerned about nine passes. Um, The one that Tyrod. Uh, heaved up, and, and I believe it was Eric Rowe. That, and again, when I call an 81 player out, even Icky earlier, it's all sort of, it takes 11 to go. But there are times where, you know, we all screw up in life, and, and hey, that one kind of stood out. But you go back to the tape and you learn from it. That's the beautiful thing about the game. You don't just wallow in it and <laughs> call your local sports talk show. Please call mine, by the way, uh, Game On Fox Sports Upstate. Or or, or text Mac and Bone up at WFNZ and say fire the staff or do that. That's fine. I don't care what you do. Whatever. Um, This is from Don uh, Stosky. On a scale from 1 to 10, how concerned should we be about the offensive line? Oh, this is good. Don, I I love you, buddy, but this is kind of like the arbitrary quarterback rankings. On a scale from 1 to 10. Now, what is 1 the most concerned or 10? Um, Where's my pain scale? I I need my pain scale. I need the frowny face. I, I'm just—I I know Billy expressed some concerns about Aquanu's fit, and I don't disagree with a lot of his points. A, as a whole, the unit itself—I'm not going to start passing judgment until we get into, you know, the, where, where real life bullets are flying here in the regular season. Um, now, again, Aquanu—we can beat this thing to death, and we don't need to do that. It was a, a bad couple of weeks. OK, by by a number of people, um, not just Icky, uh, you know, and it starts with the the coaching. And, you know, Frank's an honest enough guy. Where he's going to tell you that Campen is a demanding guy. He didn't forget how to coach overnight, but it will be interesting to answer your question. How, how concerned about the, the line? The players are good players, but do they mesh and fit with what Frank and Thomas and this offensive structure is going to be? Or will there have to be some? Uh, you know, again, talking to a scout here this week that's been in this league a long time, and, and the way he put it to me is that maybe there's a meeting in the middle a little bit. Maybe this has already happened where maybe this is thought out in advance. You would think organizations do, where or Frank comes in with his philosophy. You know, in year one, these aren't your players. You did not draft them. You did not scout them. Maybe you did for other teams, but you, you take these players and you make the best, and it's not a bad unit. They, they held up in pass pro many times last year when called upon, but they were insulated by a, a lot of gap scheme running, power runs, some zone two, and it was run first, bootleg, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of jet. Uh, and, and this is where, again, I, I want to see maybe Chenault um, get deployed differently. But one point to make about that, I keep coming back to my point. If you're going to try some stuff out, Some coaches and staffs take the preseason as the last chance to get the starters in and get it right, and oh boy, oh crap, we got week one. I don't sense that that's Frank's philosophy. I I don't think there's any coach in the NFL that truly panics. You don't make it to that level if you do. But I think some coaches are much more inclined. Bill Parcells always said he wanted to win every preseason game. It's obviously important to Baltimore. It, It doesn't matter so much to like, McVeigh. so what? It 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 everybody's different. Every team and organization and the personality culture, the structures of the the front offices, the, the 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 vibe in the building, it's different. It's 32 different personalities these teams. And you see some coaching trees that bleed down, and we'll see what happens with with Frank Reich. It's year 1. It's year 1. Um, my expectations are higher for this coach and his staff and the players that have emerged over the past few years under Matt Rule's uh, regime and credit to Matt for being a part of drafting and developing some of these guys. Um, you hope Chin can be a core player. You hope Burns will be a core player for a long time. He's certainly a great player. Brown has that ability to be that guy. Uh Vu is certainly capable. Um and and you see, once again, can Dante Jackson give you like sixteen, seventeen games of good health? Can can bless his heart for his own sake, man. Because I want it for him. JC is a star in the making. If he can stay on the field, he's going to be talked about in, in the same class as we talk about, you know, Slay and 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 Woolen out there and in Seattle. And he just hasn't had a full season yet. It's not his fault. He's not injury prone. It's just bad damn luck. That's where I'm at with this. We've got a lot of questions here. Uh, this is from uh, the underscore read. Did seeing how Jonathan Mingo was used against the Giants adjust your expectations for what he can be this season? Did he, can he be the team's number one uh, wide receiver by December? Sure. Yeah. But once again, uh, to that point, you talked to any of these players or especially Frank or Thomas Brown, there's an emphasis on, their, it's not that they say there's no true number one, but the way the offense is structured it's a distribution offense it's about tight ends it's about reads progressions getting the ball to the running back and the screen game and the swing game and with Bryce Young his ability to adapt to different types of conditions is what will drive all of this but your your point on Mingo is is certainly on my radar um Look, that, that first play, a lot of people were killing him about it. And this is where you got to be real careful because the one guy, I'll keep mentioning his name, I hope he comes on our shows too, uh, pretty soon here is J.T. O'Sullivan uh, at the quarterback school on on Twitter. Uh, J.T. played in the NFL for some years and and certainly understands how to study the game at about the highest level and and make it digestible to just about everybody. I would highly recommend you find him on Twitter if you haven't. I don't know where you've been, and go find his YouTube and his Patreon and one thing he always says, and this is what I try to do when I do, you see the film study at One Panther Place and the film clips, I'm up till one in the morning cutting that stuff up and I'm making my own notes and I'm drawing my own conclusions, but to publicly come out and say, well, this was a bad throw, it's a bad read. I don't know that. This is what JT had said and I, I couldn't agree more. How the hell can I tell in that instance who's at fault? Is anybody at fault or does shit just happen? It was a bit of a scramble drill. Bryce flung one in there. It was a nice little play. Mingo was in a bit of a void there, and there was some space. And it would have been nice if he had caught it, but the ball wasn't exactly in his chest. So tough play. Bang bang. He came right back, uh, caught that beautiful pass, and, and did that little Torello and pivot move, and 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 locked down on on twenty seven. the little RPO glance, and he he got the the physical traits. Damn, I'm going to get flamed for this, but it's Musen Muhammad. He's got some of that in him. He does. And I, I see it. Um, and I hope Marshall gets back out there soon. Uh, another question here. Um, this is from... Let's see here. Uh, let's go down the list here. So many questions. How do I do this? Uh, this is from a Reese uh, BAI05. What is wrong with Akeem Akwondo? Side note, it looks like Cam Irving um, is still out. Yeah, I Reese, I don't know. <laughs> Get off Cam Newton. Get off Cam. I said Cam Newton, Cam Irving. You know, Cam Newton is out. Um, this is from Jared Feinberg. Uh, Jared, you can find him at J-Rod NFL Draft on Twitter. What do you think Troy Hill's role will be on this defense? Backup nickel, rotational perimeter, cornerback, um, etc. Jared, that's a great question. I think a lot of that will be determined. I, I, what helps him a little bit is he comes in with a pretty clean understanding of the language and, and framework of what Averro is doing defensively because he and uh, defensive backs coach here, Jonathan Cooley, both spent time with Troy Hill in his best years back in like 2020, 2021 in L.A. So they're they're kind of, again, it, it, every year is different. I get it. It's not going to be the same damn playbook. There's going to be installations and wrinkles. But I, I like the signing because it doesn't do anything to harm your football team. It's a veteran who's been around. Um, it, again, you need – a slot corner in this league, in this defense, to be able to not just lock up and play press man and trail technique, but as we demonstrated last night on tape, a guy who knows his keys to stay in the zones, he's a good tackler, too, on tape. So Hill, to me, it, it depends on some of the health of the guys. We haven't seen a lot of slot corners on this team. Think of the lack of slot snaps. I mean, look, I, I, again, the, the hybrid role they've developed for Chin. When you go three wide and you get in a situation where you have to match on, uh, you know, (laughs) Tyreek Hill or something, you have to understand personnel is going to dictate a lot of how they use chin in that role. And down and distance situation, if they anticipate swing, run, uh, screen, that's where chin can be an asset for you. Or maybe, you know, down there on the tight end. But uh, again, I think with with Hill, I'm using my instincts once again. My instincts tell me this can be a a more subtle version of what they did with Frankie Louvu and what I hope they did with Deion Jones. Uh, Luvu was kind of like as they said the steal of the century, but to me Jones has had a very nice quietly, a nice camp at the backup uh, left inside position in their base and you know he'll he'll come on some blitz uh moves there in 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 sub. Uh Kemugruji Hill has had a nice camp, but as far as um Troy Hill, you know, what Eric Rowe is is not going to be a slot corner ideally. Jamie Robinson is still developing. Keith Taylor's had a pretty good camp, but he's not a slot corner. Again, there you, you got you got two ways to go there as a nickel defender. And you've got to defend option routes, pivots, uh everything. It's it's grueling to play that position. And you've got to read your run keys, you've got to be physical in the run game. He'll fits that profile. So I'm I'm kind of forecasting, at least in my mind, that he'll hit the ground running. And week one, uh, you know, that, again, freezing cold takes, but I, I'm going to predict he's your base nickel back. Not your Buffalo big nickel back. Who the hell knows? <laughs> Who the hell knows anymore? Uh, but that's a good question, uh, Jared. But I, I like a lot of his tape. Somebody got on me last night at one in the morning when I'm out there I'm cutting up film for y'all. He says, hey, "You had to pull out a. Pl- it's a Panther fan too that follows me. You had to pull out tape from 2021 to make it look good." I'm like, uh, "That's two years ago." And then the, the the first thing I posted was the probably the best pick he had. Maybe one of his his career was playing that cover three buzz where he matches uh, the the dig and he jumps Josh Allen's route, which is like jumping a moving freight train with a ball coming at you, and he takes it away and that was a hell of a play so again whatever <laughs> um fernando aguar my good buddy there uh direct question here the lack of production on first team offense defense is a sign of scheme talent execution neither just preseason they're being at vanilla uh thanks i i they're they're running their they're running their formations and they're you know, on offense at least, you can see there's a, a a certain flavor, not vanilla, but there's a certain flavor and, and feel to what they do in terms of 11 personnel, which is three wide, one tight end. A lot of it's Y-ISO where you've got three by one and, and Hurst, like on the boundary throw that Young made with backside pressure, the the best throw I think he's made as a pro so far, the one on third and 20 against the Giants, that's a Y-ISO. And you saw Olsen make a living out of that, where he bends it right there, uh, Sort of does a little outside stem and and hits the boundary, and it was a great throw by a guy like Young, who people say can't do it. Um, you know, it's it's a player's game, man. Look, and it, it, the coaches have got to get it all right. This is where once again they might go down to Atlanta, and, and it might be one of those games where, you look, oh man, the Falcons—they have got you know no quarterback and they've got you know, no edge rushers or whatever—and and, and they all of a sudden st- stars start to align for Atlanta. And Bijan cooks, and or maybe the script flips, and maybe it's Carolina's day. It's the beautiful thing about an NFL season. Um, they they've got two division games to start the season. You're right, and it's really important. You look, it, I, you never want to talk about playoffs. I, I don't really. I'm out of the mode now. where the preseason. Oh, nine wins, ten wins. I kind of made my statement on that. I think you know they're in that range where it could be anywhere from seven to to nine or ten. That's kind of where I've got them, but it's so many variables. But you just want to win the damn day. I mean, you want to win the damn week. You want to win games. You want to have that feeling where, okay, you know what? What Steve Wilkes got cooking again, and the players deserve a lot of credit for this, too, because they stepped their game up. There were moments last year with Wilkes where Cincinnati, that game against the Bengals, it was bleak. That game against the Rams, his first game as an interim head coach, was bleak. The ending of the Atlanta game, boy, that was so dramatic and great. Ah, oh, but that was a gut wrenching way, especially when all of a sudden you're in a division race, and and once again they blow it, and you want so bad for them to win for Steve, because Steve embodies everything that this franchise is about. Um, it, it you got a taste of that last year. Don't take that for granted. No matter what the records are, it, it again you could look back at it last year and say, oh, it was seven and nine playoff team. Well, oh, you know that's happened before, and you know Beastquake happened and. And and Pete Carroll won himself a playoff game with uh, a seven to nine record. Ron Rivera's done it before here too. Um, get in however you can get in, but yeah, get off the right uh, get off on the right track here at Atlanta in a division game, and and get cooking. And that's going to have to, to just look one day at a time, man. I don't have the answers for you. We'll look at the matchups closer. I, I know a little bit about Atlanta's structure and their offense, and and they're certainly formidable. Arthur Smith is a very good coach. He's very good. I respect him a ton. And I think the Ritter uh, situation will reveal itself in short order. Um, he'll either have it or he won't, or he'll be kind of middle of the pack. Um, but at least they're developing him and trying. And then that defense, look, they've added some pieces in the secondary. So, yeah, they got the Saints week two, and the Saints have a lot of talent. But once again, uh, Dennis Allen – until he starts having winning seasons with any kind of team uh, much like Josh McDaniels I'm not going to get too uh alarmed by it long term oh just focus on your team well what am I telling you all that you guys are fans you focus on your opponents yeah it's hate week it's already hate week the it's hate week with the Lions they hate oh they're called co- oh think about this the Lions are coming back to the frozen tundra Bank of America stadium <laughs> Oh, Dan Campbell's going to be uh, not happy about that. A couple more questions, and I've got to uh, hit the hay here. Or hit the road. I'm actually going to do a radio show here in a minute. Um, this is from uh, Mike I Iorio88. I got that wrong. I'm sorry. Mike Iorio88. Sorry, Mike. Given we were such a blitz-heavy team last year, how does that new scheme impact our edge guys? And does it mean guys like LuVu, Chin, Deion Jones, they end up generating those extra pressures? uh I, i'll tell you a little bit of this deon jones was blitzing quite a bit in nickel at at camp now take that for what it's worth but they were doing the double mug a gap stuff um and he was coming on some of that he was coming in on some of that in the gap and, and it was effective and deon's got his legs back that was a quote from somebody very high up in the organization at camp to me <laughs> deon's got his legs back um he's looked good so yeah i think you could see some of that i think Again, what will it look like in 3rd and 11, 3rd and 7 for this defense? Are they going to be in a 3-4 with Shy Tuttle at, at nose tackle? I doubt it. I think that's where Yuturgros Matos, if he's on the roster, is going to play 3-technique. Split the gap. We'll see what happens. But getting to that 3rd and 7 is key for this defense. Then you can cook. It's an installation. You're installing new pieces everywhere. A new offense, new verbiage, new quarterback. Uh, you've got a new right guard. You've got a brand-new receiving core, all of them. They've never really played together, except for a few guys that have been holdovers on the roster that are fighting hard for a spot. Bryce has never played with these guys. Miles Sanders has never played behind this line. Miles Sanders has never, to my knowledge, played with um, James Campen as the O-line coach. So there's coordination to be had there. Um, and then Evero is, is again, a hot commodity on the coaching market, as he should be. He's tasked right now with with the assistance of the the wise old dom capers back in town with making this thing um structurally sound they they take a lot of pride in that fangio evero staley tree and, and they're not all they're not all related it, they all have their own personalities but vero is going to want to be buttoned up and i can guarantee you it's blocking tackling first Blocking, tackling, execution, assignment, football first. That is everything. When you look at where this team has had a trouble spot, it's when you get in those tight situations. It comes to mind against the Washington uh, football team or whatever it was when Ron Rivera came back and and ran for, what, 250 yards against, and then the year before that when Ron got fired. I mean, it's it's been this way for a long time. Um, Inconsistency in terms of the run fills and fits and tackling so this is a big year for these guys it all works hand in hand if Akeem Akwanu, Austin Corbett at right guard Brady at left guard Bozeman at center Moten at right tackle we've gotten a little bit off the rails here with this offensive line and I get there's concerns but this is a solid group that had continuity that's how you get better And you work as a teacher, if you're James Campen and other assistants on that staff, to enhance Akeem Kwanu's pass sets, to get him more refined there. I, I have no doubt they're about in as good of hands as possible with Campen to get that done. But no, he is not a finished product, and if he is, then that's a real concern. So I think, let's keep an eye on 79, let's keep an eye on Corbett, that's a big one. Again, just understand that I, I like Zavala and I like Mays, but Corbett is he played like a thousand snaps for three straight years for the playoff bound Rams every year. Never miss time. I'm eager to see him back in the lineup because they gelled after they started playing together. And, um, you know, let's see what happens here. All right, last question from Blue Man, B L U E E E man, at Bink. And Patrick Starr is your uh yeah, okay, whatever. Based on what you saw at camp and in preseason so far, how do you see rotations playtime breaking down for the following come week one? Running back, Blackshear versus Hubbard. Um it's like the staff is it's, it's, there's no loyalties here. Um I, I think he talked about the today with Spencer Brown. The question came up. Frank Reich said we want several things from our running backs. We want you to be fundamentally sound and be productive, get yards. Number two, we want you to be effective in pass protection. That's vital. And number three, and this is according to Coach Reich, and it's Football Fundamentals 101, folks. Have a little bit of uh, ability to create. Ha- have that, uh, that that third dimension in your game would be nice. I-, I see that more with Blackshear than Hubbard. I trust his hands more. I like his ability to put his foot in the ground, make a cut. I like how he finishes his runs. I think if you put him in for a couple of games in spot duty and made him have you know 15 touches, pass and run, he could give you 75, 80 total yards. And he's a, a tough sob, good kick returner, um, smart player. Made a good uh, special teams play on on that punt where he basically you know blocked a guy and, and kept it from getting down at the one. Hubbard, you know, he's had some flashes too. He's had some good moments, but. Edwards you know, had a tendency at times to you know, have some issues with his hands. In this offense, that won't fly. It won't. And now he's he's been dinged up a little bit, so look out for that. Defensive end, uh, DJ Johnson versus Barno versus YGM. Uh, DJ Johnson, if you didn't hear earlier, we'll give you updates and we know more, but he was uh, apparently put on a cart today. That doesn't mean he's vitally injured. It doesn't mean he's not. I just know that Mike Kaye and Joe Person said that, so that's live from camp. Uh, DJ Johnson has had a, a pretty decent rookie camp i mean look it's hard to tell um in a lot of ways and they are just seven on sevens and you go individual drills and and there's not a lot going on out there you just he's gonna have his work cut out barno to me of the three has has shown the most off true edge rush situations from wide nine and i still think ygm and billy's gonna laugh at me he's off the air now but billy's gonna say you know what ygm john you're gonna do that to him you're gonna put him at three technique i i if they if they keep him as a vital piece of this roster, with Haynes back on, I think that's where you'll see a lot of his production. I think he's got a role in this defense, standing up and in a in a base 34 and, a, and a, maybe a base nickel where you're you 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 have got yourself on the on the on the tackle out there and you're you're bearing down. But he had some good moments the past couple of years inside at three technique, much like what they did with Mario Addison. Rivera did this a while back, and it's kind of a staple. It's called the NASCAR package. It's been called that for years. I don't know who came up with it, but I love it. Um, so I'd say that's kind of why GM's bread and butter, but he is also a viable defensive end in this league. He just is going to have to find a way to punch through and 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 realize his potential. He's immensely talented. He is a physical freak. Um. Wide receiver, Uh, Bink asked me uh, who will uh, see the most playing time. Marshall versus Mingo versus Visca. Uh, I would say Mingo is the leader right now based on health. Uh, I think LaVisca, they're trying some things out with him that are unconventional to his game to to weather balloon that thing and see how it works. I think when the regular season starts, you will see with LaVisca, when he's on the field, a a more traditional LaVisca sort of uh, role, if you know what I mean. And again, you can't, Carbon copy exactly what McAdoo did last year, but it was effective. I think every offense has uh, the you you can you can use a guy like Chenault, you can but you don't want to put him on the boundary and, and make him run seven yard stop and and, and a hook or come back and uh, you know try to run crisp precise routes. I, I'm not getting on Lavisca for this at all. I I think he's utilized the wrong way when you're doing that because he is a bowling ball, much like. A, a very, um, I, I don't want to say a subtle version of what D.J. Moore brings in terms of traits. Um, the route running for Chenault has to be a little better. And I think Mingo, he's just so damn physical. And he's got such good range and size over the middle. It's a good target for Young. Uh, Terrace, if Terrace can get get right, get healthy, and get back in the lineup. I mean, look, we saw some plays from him last year where he was converting third downs from 20 yards out. So, um Certainly want to see that. That wraps it up, folks. I actually got to get on the radio down here, I Heart Radio Greenville. we got a big show today down here. But thank you for listening to the Roar Podcast. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. For Billy Marshall, I'm John Illis. We'll see you next time as we recap the Lions and the Panthers preseason game number three.
2: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.